this is the first in the series today uh, that we're doing called Love Came Down. And we've been mentioning this, that we're going to be focusing in on uh, characteristics of love, focused in on here in 1 Corinthians 13, as displayed in the life of Jesus. And so we're kind of tying this in with Advent, Advent being when we kind of remember uh, Jesus' first coming, uh, when he came and walked among us here on the earth. And so we're going to look at how some of these characteristics in 1 Corinthians 13 um, were displayed by Christ. Now, all of them are, but I'm not going to teach on every one of them. That's the thing, is that we've been mentioning we're going to, uh, if you want to join us, we're doing some readings in a devotional uh, called Love Came Down at Christmas uh, by Sinclair Ferguson. And he goes through all of those, but I'm just each week, uh, every seven devotionals, I'm picking one of those characteristics to focus in on. Today, we're going to talk about uh, long-suffering, patient love. We're going to focus in on that today. Um, So why don't we just go to prayer here, and then uh, we'll stand and read Scripture. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word. Thank you that uh, it is a very, uh, we we can just, put our feet on solid ground when we trust your promises. And Lord, we also just thank you for your presence. Lord, thank you that wherever two or three are gathered together in your name, there you are in their midst. There is a special, in a sense, uh, nearness you have when the people gather in your name. And we're thankful for that. So Lord, uh, with that in mind, I just ask and pray that you would speak to each and every one of our hearts, whether here uh, we're here together in this room or whether we're online watching right now, we just pray that your Holy Spirit would personalize this message, would uh, take the word and just apply it as needs to be in each person's life. Lord, I'm just so amazed when, uh, that you can do that, that you can take the word and just customize it to each person. And so, Lord, I pray that you do that, you'd be glorified through that. We also want to lift up our brothers and sisters, families and friends who might be ill right now, who are sick. We pray for healing. Pray that... Uh, heaven would come down and touch earth and restore their health. Uh, Lord, we also just pray for encouragement for those who are really struggling right now, whether it's because of the time of year uh, in the absence of loved ones that have gone on to be with you, or whether it just be because we're so um, running out of patience. <laughs> we want things to change. We want things to be back the way they were, uh, whatever it might be. Lord, I just pray we want to lift Uh, each and every person up today, Lord, and ask and pray for a blessing on them, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so this morning we're going to read 1 Corinthians 13, 1 to 4. If you're able to, why don't you stand with me in honor of the Word of God. Um, So we're going to read the first four verses here, 1 Corinthians 13, aloud together. Ready? If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant. You may have a seat. That is the word of God. Now, chapter 13 uh, here, we've heard many times maybe at a wedding or something like that, but I do want to mention that, you know, 
we're dropping into the, you know, towards the tail end of a letter here that was written to a church, and this church had a number of problems, uh, to say the least, uh, and one of those was uh, elevation of certain spiritual gifts above others, that, hey, you know, if I, if I have a prophetic word from God and I have a prophetic gift, um, or if I can speak in this heavenly language, then I uh, just am just, you know, a cut above the rest in the church because those are really, those are the gifts are where it's really at. Um, and that really means something, you know, as opposed to the gift of serving or, or gifts of mercy or things like that that may not be as public. And so this particular church at Corinth had an issue with this and Paul was calling them out. And as you can see from the first three verses we read there, he's saying, well, love is not that. You know, he's saying, this is what love is not. It's not saying that these gifts are better than that because if your attitude is not loving when exercising those gifts and if your attitude really is not to build up those individuals or the body of Christ while using your gifts, it really is going to amount to nothing. Uh, It is nothing, as he says there. And so that kind of puts us in the context a little bit as we see uh, Paul is really trying to straighten out some thing, some problems in that local church. And so uh, it's with that, though, I want to mention that as we are going to focus in on this phrase, love is patient. Love is patient. And we're going to first take a look at how Jesus Christ himself embodied uh, long-suffering or patience, because this word patience really has the idea of long-suffering with it, meaning kind of to bear up under, to endure in a sense. So, um, you know, and I don't know about you guys, but uh, I could probably use a word on patience right now. Uh, There are things going on in my life that I wish uh, would hurry up. I would hurry up. I shared with you guys last week, you know, I got got a little bump on the road here on on the way to get my knee uh, in surgery. They said, oh, uh, you're not going to get that done yet. You got to get your heart looked at first. And so, you know, that's, a, in a sense, a little thing in, a lot of, in, in comparison to a lot of people's problems. But yet, I was really not expecting that, and, and it's something that I was, uh, frankly, initially impatient about. Um, but I think there are some things that we can learn definitely from the Lord Jesus as we first look and see how he displayed his patience towards some individuals, but also then we're going to turn the spotlight on us and see how he has actually demonstrated his patience towards us as well. And then at the end, I'm going to take a look at um, how we, uh, what's going to help us be patient um, in our circumstances and towards each other. And lastly, a word about what happens when we fail to demonstrate patience, okay? Because that's going to happen, all right? Because as long as we're on this side of heaven, it will happen, Okay. All right, so let's jump into it here. Um, the long-suffering, patient love of Jesus. Well, how, is, how do we see this displayed? A lot of different ways, but there's a couple that stuck out to me as I thought about this. And one was uh, his brothers, Jesus' brothers, his family. His family uh, didn't really understand him. They didn't really believe in him. Much of his family did not believe in him. In fact, if you... Uh, if you you can write this down, but in John 7, 5, it says, not even his brothers believed in him. You know, and my golly, I don't know about you guys, but you at least hope you can count on some family, right? When things are going 
stuff, or they would believe in you, you know, and and uh, Jesus' family, some of his family just did not believe in who he said he was and, you know, what was going on with him. And that would be quite discouraging. But <clears throat> fast forward in time, and when you take a look at the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 14, we see um, what happens in, with some of the family here. It says, let me, and I'll just read this for you, Acts 1, 14, all these, with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer, together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers, and his brothers. And I have to think, among those brothers were his actual brothers, okay? And so, um, it, I think it's just kind of cool that you can see, well, after the fact here, there's some redemption here, right? And... Um, I'm thankful for that because uh, that shows and demonstrates the patience of the Lord, right? That even though um, we could probably all look back on our lives, and if you believe in Christ now as your Savior, uh, there would have been a time when you did not believe, right? And, and God showed his patience towards you. And the Lord Jesus certainly uh, had patience towards his family, uh, even though they did not understand him. Now, the other group of people would be some of his followers just did not understand him, and they disappointed him. They disappointed him. If you think to the one of the times when Jesus really needed those who were, who were close to him to be with him and to support him, it was in the garden when Jesus knows that the soldiers are coming for him and that the Passion Week is going to ensue and he's going to suffer the most excruciating death of crucifixion that you can ever have. That's facing him. And so he, he goes there to the garden and asks his friends, his disciples there, to pray. Please pray for me, right? And so listen to what it says in Mark chapter 14, verses 37 to 39. It says, and he came and found them sleeping. So this is Jesus found the guy sleeping. And he, and he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, he went away and prayed, saying the same words. So you have this... Um, you know, and it's interesting because this just reminds us of Jesus' humanity, doesn't it? Because it says, you know, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He, he is uh, the God-man. He's fully God, yet fully man. And uh, there's obviously a struggle going on there um, in his flesh. Because let's face it, if you and I knew we were going to be led off to the slaughter like Jesus was, we'd be running the other way. I would. I mean, I'd just, you know, if it was up to me to save the human race, I'd say, no, thank you. You know, because it's just, that's how our flesh is like, you know, we're not going to face pain like that if knowing that it's coming. And Jesus knew it was coming. Uh, yet, uh, even though those that were close to him, and Peter included here as named, as, uh, you know, they couldn't even pray for an hour there to try to support him. But what do we see? We see the patience of the Lord uh, on the other side of the resurrection, right? What's happening? Peter and Jesus having breakfast on the beach, right? Smoked fish, basically. And uh, we see that redemption displayed there and restoration of Peter to the Lord Jesus. And 
Again, we're just seeing the patient, long-suffering love of Jesus demonstrated time and time again uh, with these individuals. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, not only is uh, the Lord patient with these other people, but he's still patient towards us. And that's what I want to take a look at next, is uh, that Jesus demonstrates his loving patience towards us. And um, I want to take a look at at, uh, and listen to Paul's words to Timothy here. Paul's words to Timothy in 1 Timothy 1, 15 and 16 says, The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of of whom I am the foremost. And so Paul, identifying himself, he says, I'm the worst sinner of all. And Christ came to save sinners, and he says, I'm the worst. Then in verse 16, he says, but I received mercy for this reason. And uh, this second verse, uh, some of these words have just escaped me. I, I just haven't paid attention to them until we were doing this devotional. And it really just stuck, uh, struck me. It says, but I received mercy for this reason, that in me, Paul says. He says, in me, as the foremost sinner, right? Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Paul's like, you know, one of the reasons that Jesus Christ um, saved somebody as such a sinner as me, he says, is so that you could see the loving patience of our Lord. And that, to me, is just powerful. It just reminds me that um, when I think about my own life, the patience of the Lord, and how there were times... You know, and Paul was a persecutor of the church, right? He, he, uh, and he thought he was—he thought he really was on a mission from God. He thought he was doing God's will by, by trying to root out uh, this aberrant teaching he felt uh, of this these these group of Jews. And so, uh, Paul, as he calls himself, the Jews of Jew, the Jew of Jews, you know, uh, that he really felt like he was doing the world a favor by taking, you know, arresting these Christians, these people who were believing in Jesus. But in fact, he finds out he was totally wrong. He totally missed it. Um, And I'm so thankful uh, uh, that our Lord, um, how he can forgive and how he can pursue us, even though we may oppose him. Uh, I'm not going to go into all the details, but I certainly... um, was the persecutor of at least one Christian in my high school. Uh, I used to make fun of him. I used to rail on him uh, for different things. And, um, and I've mentioned this before, but it blew me away. Um, at some point, you know, when I became a Christian in, in college, this person, the same person that I used to make fun of as a believer, asked me to be in his wedding. I mean, that's like, that's redemption (laughs) in a relationship. I was like, wow, you want me to stand up there with you after what I did to you? I mean, that is a patient love. Uh, That is a long-suffering love. And I was like, wow, and I was honored to do that, Um, blown away. And so, but just think back, you know, maybe some of us uh, poo-pooed Christianity or, 
or, you know, just said, this is not, this is not real, you know, you guys just need a, some kind of an emotional crutch to live on, you know, to get through life and uh, all that kind of thing. But, but then the Lord woke you up. He, uh, he awakened you spiritually, and then you realized, oh, this is really true, <laughs> right? And that's the loving patient of our Lord Jesus. That's the loving patient of our God. He um, is the one who is patient towards us, waiting, right? And we get this imagery in another verse, too. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says this, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. So he's, this verse here in, in 2 Peter is saying, listen, you know, all the promises about the Lord's second coming are going to happen. They're going to come true. But the reason they haven't been fulfilled yet is he's waiting for people to respond to the offer of salvation. He's waiting. He's patiently waiting. It's his long suffering, patient love that is waiting. Waiting for as many as will say yes to Jesus. And we should be thankful for that. Whereas, you know, especially here in 2020 with all that's going on, you know, you may be saying, come Lord Jesus. You know, yesterday, you know, it would be nice. But at the same time, and that's okay, it's great to have that longing. Our spirit with the Holy Spirit is saying that probably all the time. Come Lord Jesus, right? But we need to realize the reason he doesn't come yet is because he's waiting. He's patiently waiting. His patient love, his love for people. He doesn't want to see anyone perish, but um, he wants them to, to come to faith in Christ. And so, so we can see that as believers in Christ, if you put your faith in Christ, at one point you didn't believe, but then you did. And what that shows is God's patient love because you should be thankful he didn't come back before then because then it's too late then it's too late. And so our Lord Jesus is patient towards us in this way in many other ways. Um, so the good news is, as believers, right, so if you've put your faith in Christ, then you have the Holy Spirit living in you. In a sense, a, another Christ, in a sense, right, the presence of Christ living in us through the Holy Spirit, right, and um, if the Lord of the loving patience lives in us, then we can actually develop this area of patience in our own lives, okay? He enables us to do that, all right? And so I want to take a look at that next, is just how we can do that. How can we develop patience in our own lives? Well, <clears throat> we can be patient in difficult circumstances because we know God has a plan. All right, we know God has a plan. When you are encountering difficulties in life, right, when COVID-19 hits and all is thrown upside down, <clears throat> God's not asleep at the wheel, right? He has a plan, and we have to be solid on this. We have to realize God's timing is always perfect, although it may not line up with our perfect timing that we would want. This time of year, when people start singing Christmas hymns, one of those hymns is Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And the second verse on that says the following. Listen to the second verse of Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ in the everlasting Lord, 
Now here's the, here's the part. Late in time, behold him come, offspring of the virgin's womb. That's the first part of that verse. But that late in time, behold him come. Now, is Charles Wesley, who wrote this, is he saying God kind of his watch stopped or something, or he was off on the timing? What was he trying to communicate through that? And I think what he was trying to communicate is not that God, his timing was off or that he, was, uh, uh, he fell asleep at the wheel, but the fact that he's saying that many other things were going to have to happen until this time was going to come, until Jesus Christ was born. In fact, I think he probably had Galatians 4.4 maybe on the forefront of his mind. I don't know for sure, but listen to Galatians 4.4. It says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law. And you see when that phrase, it says, When the fullness of time had come. In other words, all these things had to happen. Prophecies had to be fulfilled. Things had to be put into place. And at the right time, Christ was born here in the world. You see, and so um, that verse, that Galatians 4.4, 4, just tells me God has perfect timing in the sending of his son and in everything else, okay? He's never late. Now, one of the verses that you typically think of if you... Uh, I've studied the book of Romans when it comes to this topic of God having perfect timing, and he's never late, is Romans 8.28, which says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Of course, this is a promise for believers. It says, for, for those who love God, for those who are according, called according to his purpose, those are believers. So as believers, we know, we can have assurance, it says here, that God works all things together for good. Though we may not understand the goings-ons of what's happening right now or whatever's going on in your life, the difficulties you're experiencing, if you're a believer in Jesus, you can rest assured God has a plan. The problem is we don't usually know what it is ahead of time. It just unveils itself as, as time goes on and as we, we follow the Lord. And so, but it's going to help us be more patient if we can just step back and say, God, I trust you. I honestly don't know what you're doing or why this is happening, but I do know it's going to somehow be for good and that you do have a plan. And if we have that attitude, or can be at least daily, probably daily, remind ourselves of that, then it will help us to be patient, right? And, and I want you to think about this. You know, what is there right now in your life that's going on that is requiring patience? Or... Who is the one in your life that is requiring you to be more patient? Okay, now don't give me any names, but just think about that for a second. Because the things we're talking about today 
And if you're a believer and the Holy Spirit is in you, the Lord wants you to learn to love that person with a long-suffering patience. Um, I don't know about you, but, you know, unless I was reading 1 Corinthians 13, I don't always think of patience as, as being love, right? You know, you might a lot of times equate it with a feeling or whatever, but, but I don't always think, oh, love is patience. But it is, right? It is. If we can demonstrate by the power of the Holy Spirit patient love towards one another, you know, it's usually the people that we rub shoulders with on a regular basis that requires the greatest patience, right? Because we're just around in the most time, right? And so whether it's somebody you live with or whether it's somebody at work or, or uh, you know, who, whatever the situation is, though, um, you need to see God has a plan for you in that relationship. And if you can trust him with it, it's going to help you be more patient to know that he's working somehow through it, okay? James 5, 7, and 8 says, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Now, this is a word about patience, about waiting for Jesus' second coming. Right? about his second coming. He's, he's telling these believers, uh, James, he's saying, listen, you need to be patient because it's like the farmer. He puts the stuff in the ground, and there's all kinds of stuff going on underneath the surface we cannot see, but that has to take place in order for the fruit to come. Right, And so we need to see that um, though we may long for the Lord's return, that he has great reason for not showing up at this point, okay? So, again, I think that James 5, 7, and 8 just reinforces. Yes, it's talk focusing on the second coming, but it also just reminds us God has a plan. He's working it, right? He has a plan. He's working it. And if we can hang on to that and know that, it's going to help us be more patient. Now, something else is that having been filled with the Holy Spirit, We can be patient and long-suffering with each other. It's possible, all right? It's possible. And this is something that we're going to have to just increasingly grow in. We'll never arrive uh, to have our graduating degree in Patience University. It's just not going to happen. It's something that we're on a trajectory on to ask the Lord to help us to grow in loving people uh, enough and, and to the degree that we can be more patient with them. Listen to these exhortations. The one that comes in Ephesians chapter 4, and you have to realize, you know, if you jump into Ephesians after chapter 3, you you can start to try to just, you know, live a, try to live a a really morally superior life if you don't realize that that the things he tells us to do in chapters 4 to 6 are supposed to be lived out of who we are and who we're becoming as believers in Jesus. So, in other words, you've got to have the equipment in the relationship with Jesus first, which he talks about in the first three chapters of Ephesians, before you can live out the commands and the, the exhortations that come in chapters 4 through 6. Okay? And listen to the first thing he says in chapter 4, where he starts issuing these exhortations. He says, I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you, 
to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Oh, so he's saying, listen, you know, this great calling that we received as believers in Jesus, right? We've been called, the Lord calls us to himself, right? He says, I want you to live in a way that's worthy of that calling. And now he's going to get into um, the type of thing that w- is that. He says, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. I love this because what really requires this kind of patient love is humility. And he's, he's saying, listen, you've got to put on this humility and gentleness, which is really going to come through the filling of the Spirit, right? As, he, as is mentioned here later in Ephesians chapter 5, he gives us that exhortation, that command to be filled with the Spirit, right? And we know that when we're filled with the Spirit, we exhibit the fruit of the Spirit, one of which is this patience. So, really, I would say when it comes to our dealings with one another, if we want to exhibit these things in our relationships, in this case, patient love, long-suffering love, is we really need to be filled with the Spirit. We really need to be walking in the Spirit. We need to be ones who, um, you know, um, you, you know, you've heard of the phrase, you know, uh, bad company corrupts good morals, right? Which is a scriptural idea, for sure. Um, you start acting a lot of times like those that you hang around with, right? Well, if you're spending time with the Lord Jesus in his word and spending time in prayer, you know, you're, you're fellowshipping in a sense with the Lord and you're hanging out with him. And what is he? He is patient, right? He's loving, and so it's reflective, right? It reflects out in our life, right? If I don't, if I start not neglecting my time with God and not really receiving that, that, uh, um, that nourishment that I need that we talked about uh, last week, then, then I, I just start kind of reflecting those that I'm around or the things that I'm hearing, the things that I'm listening to. So, this exhortation to bear with one another in love, right, is, is only going to be capable, we're only capable to do it if we're walking in the Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5, 14, he's, uh, Paul says, and we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, meaning admonish the slackers, basically. Encourage the faint-hearted, right, those that are having a hard time in, uh, continuing on. Help the weak. And then, be patient with all. Be patient with all. I mean, that should just be like the banner over, <laughs> over us this week. Be patient with all. Be patient with all. This is with everybody. And, uh, you know, that this is what it brings glory to God, that we're able to be patient. Now, I do want to say this, that when you, um, the thing that really does help us to be patient and forbearing with others, to kind of cover over the little things that they maybe do that irritate us, um, is if we realize how much we have been forgiven, okay? Realizing how much we have been forgiven is a key, I really think, to be being uh, and growing 
more loving and more patient towards other people. Why do I say that? If you look in Luke chapter 7, we see an encounter there where Jesus is being hosted by some people, and then there's someone there that starts anointing him. And let me just read it starting in verse 46. Luke 7, 46 says, uh, Jesus says, You did not, speaking to the people that were hosting this event, you did not anoint my head with oil, but she, she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. Then this last gets me, this last phrase here. He says, but he who is forgiven little, loves little. He who is forgiven little, loves little. And I really do think that forgiveness and forbearance and patient love go together. And I think if we want to grow in this area as believers, we got to be dialed into how much we need forgiveness. How much we really need the blood of Christ. Um, even now as believers, you know, sometimes it's easy. You know, we start ranking uh, things like, you know, well, at least I don't do that. You know, that type of thing. And um, we shouldn't be having that kind of idea. We should be thinking, you know, thank you, Lord, that you've forgiven me. And, and also to, to be sensitive, um, to keep short accounts with God. You know, I know we're forgiven as believers, but uh, I do believe there is a, uh, a familial kind of rift in the relationship with God if we willfully sin against Him and He, sh- he shows us something and we don't repent of it and turn to Him and, and see our sinfulness for what it is and just acknowledge it, you know. Um, it's not like we have to pay God back for that or anything. He's already done it all. But just to, just to you know, have a heart that's, that's um, sensitive, right? Um, and if we do, then I think we will, like Jesus says, if, if, we, if you flip this around, it says he who, he who has uh, been forgiven little uh, forgives little. But what about the other way around? What if you realize you've been forgiven much? Then you'll love much, right? You'll love much if you realize... You've been forgiven much. And so I just say ask the Lord to, not in a self-abating way to beat yourself up, but just to realize how much of a sinner we are, sinners we are in need of a Savior, and thank you that we are saved. I mean, it's just the appreciation, the depth of gratitude that we have for the Lord. Um, I think if we can regularly go to that place, we will, by God's grace, be Practicing patient love, long-suffering love. Now, what about for these times when we fail to express this? Because it's going to happen. And um, over the next few weeks, you know, because what we're going to do is we're going to look at these, these things in the, lives of, in the life of Jesus, and then we're going to see some exhortations for us to kind of live the same kind of way. But then I always want to remind us, it's not about just doing these things. We need to realize that we are forgiven too, that we will fall short still. We should still pursue holiness in this area, whatever the areas we're talking about at the time. Today it's patience. But when we fall short, there's some things we need to remember, I think. And I'm going to mention three today. 
I'll mention more in the coming weeks. Eventually, you'll have a list of things that you can be remembering when we fall short. And one is, as followers of Jesus, forgiveness is, your, uh, forgiveness is ours, right? As believers in Jesus. Forgive, it's ours. It's been, we've received it as a gift, right? Just like uh, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 mentions that, uh, the forgiveness that Jesus offers, right? It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And then it mentions that, you know, that, not even that is of yourself, uh, from yourself, but it's a gift of God, right? And so you receive the forgiveness of Jesus that he offers uh, by faith. And so that is ours. It is secure, by the way. And so uh, forgiveness is not a possibility. It's already a reality. Hang on to this one. 1 John 2.12 says, I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven, present tense, for his name's sake. And you've got to remember that. Right? It's not a performance-based Christianity. We, we operate from, praise, from a place of being in Christ. And yes, we want to pursue righteousness. Right? We want to hunger and thirst for it. Yes, we do. We want, to, we want to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, right? But we've got to also remember that it's, it's not the actual performance that makes us acceptable to God. It's all what Christ has done. He's already done it. So remind yourself, when you fall short in this area, forgiveness is yours if you're a Christian. The second thing, which is kind of related to this, but I wanted to state it, is that a clean record is yours as well. All right, a clean record is yours as well. And where do we get this from? Colossians 2, 13 and 14. So this is like your, your debt is paid. The Lord Jesus paid the penalty. So listen to this verse, Colossians 2, 13 and 14. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him. So he's kind of giving you this before and after thing, right? He says, this is how you were before. Before, you were dead in your sins, your trespasses, right? And he says, but God made, uh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. How many? All. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. In other words, you know, if, when I believe, when a person puts their faith in Christ for the forgiveness of their sins, past, present, future sins, all wiped out. There is no debt to be paid because it has been paid by Jesus. You know, you heard the, the, the song, Jesus paid it all. All to him I am, right? He paid it all in full. So we have a clean record. The last thing just to remember is grace, right, which is, in a sense, God's unmerited favor, something we don't deserve, grace. Grace is ours, too, as believers. Listen to John 1, 16. For from his fullness, meaning Jesus, from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace, grace Upon grace. It's like there's never, it's never ending. It's never ending. So, you know, Lord, I want to be more patient this week. You know, you might, you might sin in the area of patience on the way out the door today, right? I mean, it could happen. But listen, if you know Christ, right, you're under his grace. 
grace upon grace, right? You cannot out-sin God if you're covered by the blood, okay? Does that make sense? And these are things that you probably know, but sometimes we forget when we take aim at an area of our life, like in this area of long-suffering patience and love, and we, if we stumble and fall. But no, the grace of God is on our life if we know Christ as Savior. And by His grace, we will grow. And by His grace, we will love a long-suffering, patient love. All right? Let's pray together. Lord, I want to thank you that as we've looked at this morning, we see that love is patient and Jesus Christ embodies everything about love. And we know that his love has been poured out on that cross. And Father, I just want to thank you for that, and I pray that you'd help us to, to not only see that love, which is the ultimate, but also to see that Jesus himself, in many other ways, demonstrated this attribute of patience towards those who did not understand him, those who did not accept him, uh, and even some of us rejecting him before but maybe receiving him now. We just thank you that, God, you are that way and that Jesus Christ is that way, this long-suffering patience. But, Father, we also just pray that you would fill us as believers. Fill us up. Lord, help us to adorn ourselves with this long-suffering patience towards our circumstances by knowing that you have a plan and then the people were around by knowing that you've called us to patience. Lord, help us to see that you're working in their lives. We might even want things to change legitimately in someone else's life, but there's a timetable going on. Lord, help us to love like Christ loved. Help us to do it in your power, and when we fall short... Lord, we have no plea but the blood of Jesus. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.